to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. Today I'm doing another solo episode. And this episode was actually sparked by a listener of the podcast, Kate, who asked what books I would recommend. And this podcast is dedicated to looking at the resources, so not only books, but podcasts and blogs that I've read over the last four years that have really shaped the way that I think about business and helped me to learn and grow. And I think it's interesting when you read a book at a certain stage in your career or business journey, I think that you take away different things from it when you go back and reread it in a year or or in two years' time. And, And that probably relates to absorbing information that is relevant for you at the time. And so some of these books I actually go back and reread every year as a reminder of it to to change my thinking or my thought patterns, but also because I'm at a different stage of business and so there'll be different takeaways within that book. So first up, the the book that had the most influence on me and made me realise that there was a different way of running a business was Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Workweek and I think that's been an influence for many people. And the first business that I ran was a tennis coaching business back when I was at university and that was... It's not a typical bricks and mortar business, but it required me to be in a physical location on court delivering tennis lessons. And it was only after reading Tim Ferriss's book that I realised that it was actually possible to build a remote business and a team and achieve my goal, which was to run a business where I could be working from anywhere in the world and also have control over my schedule. I'll, I'll dive into the rest of the books a little later in in this episode. First, first up, I, I wanted to talk about podcasts. I picked out five. So I'm a huge podcast fan and I have quite a few saved in, I use the app called Pocket Cast, and I've got probably got about 20 in there that are, are saved there, 20 different podcasts with episodes saved, ready to go. So I can listen even if I don't have phone reception. And there's a regular five that I listen to. And then depending on what I'm interested in, feeling like, or wanting to learn more about, then I'll listen to one of the other episodes. First up is the Tropical MBA. And that's been a huge influence on me. The guys over at Tropical MBA, Dan and Ian, have had their own successful business journey where they grew and exited an e-commerce business. But the, the reason that I like listening to that podcast is because their values and, and the lifestyle that they're trying to achieve really resonates with me where they were able to travel while running their business and create a business that mostly ran without. I don't think it's really possible to have a high-growth business that's fully running without you, but they definitely were able to get themselves out of the day-to-day and have managers in place so that they could focus on strategy. Startups for the rest of us with Rob and Mike, that's mainly targeted at people who are developing software. But I actually really like a lot of their their business principles, getting to market fast, and they actually talk about a lot of things that aren't necessarily just related to building a software business. 
if I listen to them every week. Built to Sell. This is actually, I, I came across the podcast because I was listening, because I had read their book, read the book. And then it was only a long time later that I realised there was a podcast. And this podcast brings on guests who have sold their business and they're quite transparent about the sales process. And for me, this is a, a really interesting one. I'm not planning to sell bean and juice anytime soon, but I think it's always important to have the end goal in mind. And so to know about how, how these deals get done, what impacts the valuation, what are the pitfalls, it, it might take five years to prepare a business for sale. And it's good to be aware of that now in making decisions today. Jocko's podcast, Jocko is the author of Extreme Ownership and an ex-Navy SEAL. And I really like his mindset and philosophy around leadership. So I, I'm not a regular listener of his podcast, but I do listen in from time to time. And lastly, Amy Porterfield, who is an online marketer, she used to do, was involved in digital marketing for Tony Robbins and now has her own very successful brand and podcast. And the way that she explains things, I find really clear and easy to follow. And she talks a lot about different digital marketing strategies, creating courses, social media funnels, that kind of stuff. I've picked out a couple of blogs. I enjoy Brian Cassell's blog, which is about productized services. And for obvious reasons, that really ties in with the big ninja's business model. Russ Perry from Design Pickle, I've watched his progress from, from the beginning when he created his own seven-day startup and just how far he's come and his attitude to the way he runs business and his life. I, I'm on his email list and quite enjoy his emails too. And then lastly, in the blogs category, I also read quite a bit of Brennan Dunn over at W Freelancing and he's got a number of different topics that where he shares his expertise and part of it is around automation, market, so automation of marketing, but also around building a consulting business, selling consulting services. I like his work around roadmapping sessions as a lead-in product to, to sell consulting services. Okay, let's get into the books. And I've put I've actually put these in order because at different stages of business, you're going to need different things. First up, the very first book I've selected is The Seven-Day Startup by Dan Norris. And this book is really relevant if you're starting a business because it helps you to launch quickly. And Dan's philosophy is you don't learn until you launch. So don't waste a whole lot of time on a business plan and doing market research. Get to market as quickly as you can. And, and he thinks you can do it within seven days to then see what customers are willing to pay for, get feedback from customers, and then learn and adapt. And his philosophy is based around Lean Startup by Eric Ries, which is more tailored towards, so Eric Ries' book is more tailored towards software. And as an example from that book, if you were to go out and create Uber Eats, instead of spending the first three months coding the app, you might just have the back end, you might be doing the back end manually. So you might actually be receiving phone calls, typing in a spreadsheet, calling the restaurant, going out and delivering it and doing it that way. And that would be a minimum viable product where you're testing a 
are people willing to pay for this before you actually go and build the app? And in an earlier, one of the very first podcast episodes, I talked about how Bing Ninjas was built using the seven-day startup methodology where we created our business in seven days, created our website, and found our first customer. So you're welcome to go back and listen to that episode. This book is important not only for starting a business, but your philosophy of running a business and launching new products. And we're working on some new products at the moment and we're following, I'm pushing people in the team to follow this method of how can we get this to market faster? What is the minimum viable product or version of this so we can get it to market and learn? The next book is Built to Sell and I mentioned that in the podcast section. And you may think it's strange that I'm jumping from a book about launching a business to a book about selling a business. But as I mentioned earlier, I think it's important to have the end game in mind. And you might not be building a business to sell, but the reality is at some point you're going to exit your business. And whether that's through a planned exit where you've optimised the value and you receive a great sale price and you have a really nice smooth transition on to something else or whether it's forced upon you, at some point you are going to exit your business. And to me, it's important to, to learn about these things and, and keep that in mind when you're making decisions. A couple of key points from Build to Sell. According to the author, the number one mistake entrepreneurs make is to build a business that relies too heavily on them. And the problem that this creates is that buyers aren't confident that the company can stand on its own, even if it's a profitable business. So to make the business or to increase the value you need to create systems and look at the products and services that you're offering so that the buyer perceives that it can run, it can run without you and that is considered a more valuable business. Next, I'm jumping to more business philosophy. Start with why by Simon Sinek. And when if you've launched a business with seven-day startup, I don't think you're going to be really clear on your why. You, you may be but you may not because the business is very new. You're probably learning and evolving and really figuring out what who your customers are, what problem you're solving, what your marketing channels are, and gradually building a team. So the, the premise of why is that the ability to inspire others around you starts with why. So an organisation, many organisations can clearly explain what they do and they can explain how they do it, but they don't necessarily articulate why. And to inspire your team, a goal like my personal goal in starting Beanages at the beginning was to create a seven-figure business and work less than 20 hours a week. That's not very inspiring for a team. And I and that was quite a, a selfish goal. And, and I'm still working towards that, but that's not really going to inspire anyone. And so when we went back to think about our why, we and we workshopped this when we were looking at our vision, mission and values, we identified that freedom was our why and we're creating, we're helping our clients to create financial freedom, we're creating freedom in the lives of our team and freedom is something that's really important to me in terms of control over my schedule, control over where I live and the ability to make those kind of choices and the freedom to take the business in, in the direction that, that me and the team want to take it. A couple of other leadership 
resources. And again, some of the, the, these relate to the podcasts that I mentioned earlier, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Wilnick. The summary or the premise of his book is that on any team in any organisation, all responsibility for success and failure rests with the leader. The leader must own everything in his or her world and there's no one else to blame. So the leader must acknowledge mistakes and admit failures and take ownership of them and then develop a plan to win. And in his book, there's a great example. He's got a lot of, he, throughout the book, he'll give a war example and then tie that back to a leadership lesson. And one of the, the first examples talks about a, a battle situation where they almost were firing on, on their own team, really, which is the worst kind of situation to be in if you were to lose someone who's actually firing on the same side of you as you. And he talked about that there were a lot of mistakes and process issues that ultimately caused that situation, but as the leader, that all comes on his shoulders to solve that. And I really like that as a leadership attitude, and that's something that I'm trying to live out. And if something doesn't work within my team, then maybe there was a lack of training, maybe I hadn't set clear direction. There's a lot of self-reflection rather than trying to blame someone else. And that's also the philosophy that I expect of the leaders within my team. Principles by Ray Dalio. This was recommended to me by my brother, actually. So Ray Dalio was a very successful hedge fund manager. And he wasn't only interested in money and investing, but this book was about establishing principles for your own life and the people that you work with and how to create integrity and culture. I've just picked out a couple of quotes. I haven't actually read his whole book. I've just read a summary. And this is what I do. Sometimes if books are a bit dense then or if I'm finding them hard to read, I won't actually go and read the whole thing. And so this is an example. I've just read his summary and that's actually accessible. So I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I've just picked out a couple of quotes. Remember that you're looking for the best answer, not simply the best answer that you can come up with yourself. And as a leader, I think it's important to understand that you don't have to have all of the answers. You don't need to be the smartest person in the room on every topic. You're there to facilitate other people. Your role is to bring in the the smartest minds and then create an environment where they can really perform well. And that's something that I work on that I try not to be attached to my ideas where we're trying to get the best outcome and it doesn't matter whether the idea came from me or someone else in the team. The next quote that I've picked out is sincerely believe that you might not know the best possible path and recognise that your ability to deal well with not knowing is more important than whatever it is you do know. And, again, that's something that I've been working on. As a small business owner, you need to make fast decisions and you're making fast decisions with incomplete information. And you probably don't have the time to go and get full information, so you need to make these quick decisions and and get comfortable with knowing that you don't know everything and also get smart about what the risks are and knowing when you do need to go and explore something to mitigate a risk and when you just need to make a decision and move on. 
And the way I try and structure decision making is to well, look at well, what is the what is the potential downside, and if it's high risk, then I do need to put more time in to mitigate that risk. And as soon as I've mitigated the risk, let's move quickly, because if the risk of something going wrong is not huge, for example, we quickly publish our website. If the if the risk is that it's going to break and it might not be up at all, then we need to solve that. But if the issue is one particular image on one particular page doesn't look great, we need to launch and we'll figure that out later as long as it's not going to significantly damage the brand. And in that case, I would say it's probably not if it's on a back page. Most people are probably not going to click on that in the 24 hours we need to, we may need to resolve it. So let's just make that decision and, and go. Picked a couple of books on productivity and mindset. Deep Work by Cal Newport. I listened to this one on audiobook. I've since discovered that audiobooks, fiction works for me, but nonfiction doesn't. And while I took in quite a bit of information and maybe it's gone into my subconscious, I did fall asleep through a lot of it. And that was not, it was a great book, but I think audio at night is just not the right medium for me. So I since have got a copy of the book and also I've listened to podcasts where Cal Newport has been interviewed. I've picked out just a, a couple of key points from his book. In order to produce the, the absolutely best work that you're capable of, you need to commit to deep work. And so deep work is the ability to, to learn things quickly but mainly to focus with, in fact, I should rephrase that, learning, things, learning hard things quickly, that's more of a byproduct. The deep work is focus, focusing intensely without distraction. And Cal Newport's premise is that today we're constantly interrupted and we're losing the ability to, to have these extended periods of deep work. And it's deep work where we really create the value. And to, to, do, to excel, you need to, to learn the skill. So your work is your craft. And if you hone your ability with respect and care, then you can generate meaning in the daily efforts of your professional life. So that, that's a quote from him. The ability to master hard things and the ability to produce at an elite level in terms of both quality and speed are two core abilities for thriving in today's economy. And then he also goes on to talk about how to create deep work as a habit. We all have a, have a limited amount of willpower each day. So how do you create your routines and rituals so that you can maintain an unbroken state of concentration without that requiring or using up all of your willpower throughout the day? So how can you create those, those habits and, and time in your schedule? And an example of that is I really try hard not to have meetings on Mondays and Fridays. If they, do, they still do creep in. We, we're a remote team with different time zones. So sometimes it's necessary or if there's a new starter starting on a particular day, then that's necessary. But usually I really try and protect that time and that's my hard thinking time where I, I tackle problems that require a lot of thought. In the same kind of vein, the next book I've selected is Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McCown. And essentialism, it's a new way of thinking about productivity and life and it gives you a systematic way of being disciplined to cut 
everything apart from the essential items. I like the 90% rule that is talked about in the book. So for every item or decision, you look at the most important criterion and then give it a value between 0 and 100. And everything that's under 90 is considered a zero and has to go. So as an example, if you were sorting out your closet, you pick up a piece of clothing, you you calculate the likelihood of you ever wearing it again. If it's below 90%, then why would you keep it? Just just keep to the essential items. I heard a great podcast between Tim Ferriss. So Tim Ferriss was interviewing Greg and I like the, the examples that he gave in his own life about how he is applying essentialism. And there's these principles, there's a number of other famous people like Warren Buffett, Steve Jobs, who really talk about the, the ability to perform or at, a, at an elite level or get results comes down to saying no to most things and being really disciplined about what you were going to say yes to. Next up are a couple of business books, Traction by Gina Whitman, and in that book he presents the the EOS system, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And that's a framework that for the last couple of years we've gradually been applying at Pingages and it really helps to create systems, organisations, structures, reporting lines, 90-day plans. There's a lot of good stuff in there and this is one of those books that I come back and reread every year. It's not possible to implement everything all in one go and for me it was about looking at well, what are our priorities. And so for us, originally we needed to be clear about our vision and mission and values and create really clear reporting lines within the team. We're doing 90-day plans just from a strategic perspective at the moment, but gradually we, we will filter that down throughout the organisation. There's set meeting agendas and we've been working on the way that we run meetings, so the Beaninger's way of running meetings to make sure that we're firstly not having meetings that we don't need and then also looking at how do we make these meetings really effective. But that's that's well worth a read and and actually a regular read. The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. This was recommended to me by my business partner, Wayne, and this is another one where I haven't read the whole book but I have read the summary and it sounds like it's a book on sales, but actually it's it's quite broad and more about running a really successful business. And last up, I've picked one, one book related to hiring. It's called Who? The A Method for Hiring. I've dipped in and out of this book. I haven't read the whole thing. And we apply some of it, but not all of it at Beanages. But to me, reading books is, is not about systematically applying everything in the book. It's it's looking at trying to understand where they're coming from, what is their perspective, and then seeing if you can take elements of that to apply to your own philosophy. And with hiring, I have my own philosophy around hiring. And the, the WHO method is more about doing really rigorous background check, checks and testing to really understand where to get a really clear picture of someone and and what that may mean for them in your organization and there's definitely elements of that that have helped me in the recruitment process and how I approach interviews but I also have a slightly different style in that I think the best way to see what some what it's like working with someone is to go dive in and do some projects together 
and really see how they communicate, how they go under time pressure, what they're like delivering on deadlines, the way that they think. And so rather than asking questions to ascertain that, I prefer to do it and, and actually see that in action. And so usually we try and do paid projects with people, potential recruits, just to get a feel for everything. That said, that my technique may not be scalable, and that's fine when we're a 15-person organisation, but will that approach work? And it might be hard for me to explain exactly what I look for and the observations that I'm making as we're doing those kind of work projects. And so that's why I think it's important to the, the people who wrote this book have done a lot more hiring than me. I, I would have done a lot of, I've probably done over 100 interviews over the last four years, but I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think I'm definitely better. I've improved a lot and I'm really happy with the the team members that we're attracting now. I'd say some of that actually comes down to our talent pipeline and because of the content we create, having people that want to work at Beanages. And so it's about selecting the right people from that talent pool. So I think that really helps. Um, but I'm always trying to improve in many different areas of running the business. And I, I definitely found this book helpful and it might even be time for me to reread that. I'd love for you, for any listeners, to either comment or to mention if you've read these books or if you have any other book recommendations, please uh, comment in the show notes as well. Thanks, guys.